Welcome to the Wedding Sassholes, your no BS wedding business podcast. We're here to real talk you through the common F-ups we see companies making and the practical strategies you can implement today. Wrapping up this month's topic of appointments and tours. And in this episode, you'll learn how to make your appointments more of an experience. From my friend and industry expert, Ian Ramirez, the venue director of Madeira Estates. We're your hosts. I'm Shannon Tarrant. I'm Vanessa Negron. And welcome to The Shit Show. Episode 25 of The Wedding Sassholes. She's never not going to say it like a sasshole every fucking time. (laughs) Every time. Well, we are so excited today for our interview episode. A warm sasshole welcome to Ian. Um, For those of you who've never met, I'm going to share a crazy story of how Ian and I met because people don't usually believe it. I don't know if I know this one. Um, so we were both at wedding MBA and, um, I don't know if we were in the same session, but whatever session we were in, we both walked out of because the education was not up to our level of what we were looking for that day. And we were out in the lobby and he was like sitting there on his laptop and I kind of sat down, there's benches, sat down next to him. And we both started talking about like, I could teach better than this. Like I could do better than this. And why am I not a speaker here? And we both were like, someday we're both going to speak here. And then we spoke there the same year, the first time. Aww. How far we've come. We're all grown up, mom. I know, I know. It was, I was like, you know, what are the chances that, that's my favorite thing about conferences, is that as many planned meets and get-togethers of people who are going to be there, there's such an awesome opportunity for like the most random of connects in ways, if you're open to it and just kind of, I know not everybody like Vanessa is open. She's in a little bit of an introvert, Ian. A little okay. bit. We can coach you. Yeah, well, we give her... I don't, I don't need coaching. There's no coaching. We give her extrovert juice when we go out at night, and then she's fine. She's got her go-go juice. Yeah. Yes. It's called... It's named Jack Daniels. Yes. 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 I love it. I love it. Oh, my I'm God. Trying to, you have to tell my secrets to everyone. I know. Well, we switch up things from a regular format from what you expect for an interview. Ian has some great nuggets to share with us, and we want to get as many tips out of him as possible in this limited time that we have. So let's just dive straight into it. Okay, Ian, I want to get started by learning more about how you got so into and focused on experiential marketing. Yes. So I really identify with this concept of experiential marketing for businesses, not only in the wedding industry mostly because of my background in opera. Things are very personal. Things are very dramatic, if you will. So I naturally always have been drawn to experiences in terms of the sales process, not just in the in the wedding industry. And I think especially after COVID, a lot of young people, millennials and Gen Z, they were craving these unique experiences. I mean, hell, people have their phones out um, Taylor Swift just came into town and I saw all my friends posting about it. And every single one of them has their phone up, right? I know. So all these experiences mm-hmm. that people are consuming. And that's what matters to a lot of these young people, these young brides, these young grooms um, is an experience. And so a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, well, what is experience? How do I incorporate that into my business? Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I would say that's really where I gravitated towards and how I really tapped into experiential marketing is my theatrical background. 
I love that. I do agree. I am one of those people who perpetually takes the picture and the video of the things. And I don't post it. She doesn't post it. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I literally, I don't know. Because in my head, it's going to get posted. So I won a contest at a recent um, networking event because I had more photos and videos on my phone than anyone else there. And the, none of them are on social media. So it's not like any of you have seen them. But I hoard content. So I I get the cons. I think I like to be able I like to be able to look back on it. But I do agree that when you see something that's just so cool and different and unique, you kind of want to like be in the moment, either remember it or be able to show other people like, look how cool this is. Yeah, it's like social proof that you were there. Right. Yeah. Was- that's yeah. the problem because I'm not the generation getting married. I'm 42. So I don't give a shit that you knew that I was there. That's why I don't care about posting. Like I care about having the memories, which is why I think I take the pictures, but I a hundred percent agree with you. When we look at the 25 to 38 year olds getting married, the social proof is so important like one of my friends went to taylor swift and no one knew it and they were like oh my god you didn't put and she's like no i like threw my phone in my bag and watched the concert <laughs> like we did in the olden days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. when we didn't have phones right they come with us or they didn't they didn't have cameras on them <laughs> oh my yeah. god so you took out your like old clunky camera and you're like uh-huh yeah terrible. so why you- batteries yeah. Why do you think that experiential marketing is really effective? I think experiential marketing is, is um, oh, I just lost the word. Is effective. effective. Thank yeah. you. Because uh, I was thinking of the three E's. Effective actually is also E, so we'll say it's a fourth E. But really for me, it comes down to three things, right? Experiential marketing creates exactly that. It creates experiences for people um, that's tapping into their emotions. So it's tapping into these multi-sensory elements, right? When you have the ability to touch something, when you have the ability to smell something, when you have the ability to see and hear something, right? It's tapping into the emotions of the consumer. And lastly, and the most important is that it increases the engagement of our prospects. Um, So specifically with appointments and tours, right? We always want them to be in the mindset of saying yes. So we want to increase the overall engagement of our prospects. So I like to break down experiential marketing into the three E's experience, emotion, and engagement. Um, so that's why I think experiential marketing is so effective because we move we move the consumer from just uh, an observer, right? They have no active role in the sales process. They have no active role in the tour process, the appointment process, and we move them to active and engaged participant. Um, so those are all the reasons why I think experiential marketing is so valid and so important and often a very underutilized strategy for a lot of wedding professionals. Agreed. Yes. Which, Which is, is why, why we brought you here. Yes. <laughs> because I take my words sorry I I think so many people love the concept of it but they don't know like they don't they're not creative enough to come up with the ideas right they they understand the concept but to actually put it into action for their business or they can think of ideas for other people's businesses but then when it comes to their own they like hit a a creative wall almost 
Thank sure. you, and they struggle with implementation too. They may hear some of these fun ideas that, okay, yeah, a venue can do X, Y, Z uh, for their tours, but how do I as a DJ or how do I as a wedding planner, how do I incorporate experiential marketing or how do I incorporate multi-sensory elements into my sales process, into my appointment process? And I'm, I'm excited that we get to brainstorm and share some ideas today with a lot of our listeners. So what would you suggest for those different categories that you just mentioned? Um, so my favorite element that I like to throw out for, let's start with non-venues. Let's start with vendors uh, for weddings and events. So whether it's a florist, a DJ, a planner, I think the most important element is to incorporate something into your sales appointment that is tactile or that offers that multi-sensory experience. So I'll give an example, a DJ. When you have a DJ, oftentimes what they're doing is they're limiting their sales appointment um, to, let's say, just PDFs, links. Hey, here's our pricing. This is what we offer you. And instead, why wouldn't we want to encourage the prospect really to you know, engage with the DJ. So my example that I use for DJs is letting them practice DJing on your soundboard or your mixing table. So teaching them really low entry steps to how a DJ works on your soundboard and inviting them to put headphones on so they can hear the music. Again, multi-sensory elements. Let the prospect listen to the music and teach them one or two tricks on the soundboard. Maybe it's fading in a song and fading into the next song. Or maybe it's, you know, a little scratch if you're able to scratch. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's even how to do the pow, 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 pow sounds on the <laughs> and it's so fun. Like these buttons. And so it, it creates that experience that engages the prospect at another level. So it's not just, hey, I'm going to be your great wedding DJ. You know, this is everything that we do because logistics really aren't the best way to reel somebody in and put yeah. them into the mindset of saying yes. Right. And so I always tell every vendor category lists and details and all the items of logistics, all of that will take your prospect out of what I like to call the creative, the co-creative process. So when the consumer is listening to those DJ headphones, they're mixing on the table, they're in the, the mindset of their wedding day. Right. And they're not sitting there reading a PDF that says, okay, I have five hours included. I have a lapel mic included. I have 12 uplights included. I have uh, DJ and MC services included. What's not included? I need a vendor meal. You know, all these details. It's just like, that's not fun. Right. No. And, that's and they don't know what any of those things mean. They, I was going to say, like, I know what a lapel mic is because I work in the industry. But sometimes we use words like gobo and blah, 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 and whatever. And they're like, they don't know what any of it means. Way yep. over there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so outside of DJs for florists, one of my favorite elements that I use for florists. Number one, we can teach people how to do things just like the DJ example host a floral making class. So if it's not a sales appointment, bringing them into an atmosphere where you're actually teaching them, they're using their hands, it's very tactile, right? They're touching the flowers. Um, another element at a floral shop, you can have a backdrop, have three fake flower arrangements created and have them choose their favorite, hold the flower arrangement as if it's a mock altar, take pictures with that arrangement. So it puts them in the mindset, it puts them in an active role in the sales process. 
And it puts them also in the mindset of their wedding day. So you may have a bride walk in the door and you say, hey, Vanessa, you know, tell me the style and shape of floral arrangement that you're looking for your bride bridal bouquet. Maybe they want something that's traditional and round. Maybe they want something that's like massive, or maybe they want something that's oblong, right? Not a normal shape. So have three different examples of those bouquets. Let the bride or the client be, you know, drawn into the one that is more attractive to them and have them hold it, take a picture as if they're getting married in front of a already made backdrop. Um, so we're we're engaging again that co-creative process. We're putting them in the mindset of their wedding day. So it's not just, okay, how many tables do you have? Oh, wait, you haven't met with your wedding planner yet. You haven't picked your venue. So you don't even know how many tables you're going to have. Why would we even talk about that, right? Because it's just going to make more friction. It's going to cause more friction in your relationship, right? Um, the last one example I like to use for wedding planners it's super fast, it's super easy, and it's an interactive take on a mood board. And it only asks three questions. What does your wedding look like? What does your wedding feel like? And what does your wedding smell like? So on a mini mood board, have the prospect there have paint swatches, fabric swatches, and five to seven different perfumes or colognes. And you're going to have the prospect pick their three favorite paint swatches. They're going to place that on their mood board. They're going to take their three favorite fabric swatches. Maybe they're going to feel it. Maybe there's something that's Lemur, something that is velvet. What does their wedding feel like? Again, tactile, right? Visual. They're going to put that on their mood board. And then I stole this from Sephora, right? We know what happens when you go to smell some perfume and some cologne. You know, you're spraying on the little thing and you're wafting it and you smell it. You ask the prospect, what does their wedding smell like? And I don't know about you. I don't know anybody that has ever asked me, what does my wedding smell like? No. I don't know. No, I was literally do. just thinking that. I was like, what do you use? Oils, perfumes work. Perfume, oh, yeah. Right? And you yeah, just yeah. leave a little spot on this pre-made card yeah. and you spray the perfume on there. And then that's something for them to take home. And what I have done as the wedding planner or designer, I have immediately captured the senses of sight, smell, right? Oh, and gosh. touch because you're touching it. And you're placing them again, more in that mindset of this is my wedding day. It's not okay, do you want full planning services? Do you want day of coordination? Do you know yeah. what day of coordination is? I'm going to bustle your wedding dress. Do you want a lady in waiting? You know, do you need a personal assistant? Like what all these details, right, is just going to muddy up your journey to yes. Instead, we want to tap into those emotions. That's one of those three E's with this experience. Um, so those would probably be my, my main three vendors that I like to talk about. Of course, like catering and cake, they have a little more of an in because- Spoiled the bitches. Right, they're tasting. Right, they're tasting the the. If he wants to give advice for cake people, I'm gonna listen to it. <laughs> yes. She actually does in person taste things. There you go, done. Most people yeah, aren't do. doing those in our market, so it's just like. But yeah. those, I think, those oftentimes are some of the 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 frequent ones that are missing out on including a multi sensory yeah. marketing element, even for mm -hmm. a photographer. You know, again, host a class have maybe two or three couples come and say, hey, these are the three must-have poses for your wedding day, yep. right? Okay, bride, you know, instead of doing this, like, don't show your stems of your bouquet when you're walking down the aisle. You know, when your hand is doing this instead of this, right? Your face is going to be doing this instead of this. So those poses are things that people don't oftentimes think about. And it has really not a whole lot to do with the 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 logistics of the services that you provide, but yeah. more so capturing the emotion of the, the client on wedding day. 
I feel like all of those things that you just discussed is also things that are showing the client that you are very knowledgeable in your your career and it puts you more as a professional level. So it might not directly involve like the logistics of it, but I feel like it just sets you apart and showing like, hey, I know all of these other details, like the planning of the materials and the colors and the smells, like here's extra things to make it more experiential, but also it shows that I am... I know my shit. Like I'm a professional. So I think that's expert. awesome. And at the end yeah. of the day, that's what's going to help you stand out. Because mm-hmm. if I go to a wedding planner and all I do is sit there and talk, which is all great, you know, personality definitely can get you somewhere. But if I'm just sitting there talking about logistics and dates and timelines, that's not going to get me anywhere in terms yeah. of tapping into that emotion. So mm-hmm. if, if a client has, you know, or they're trying to compare apples to apples and they had this badass experience where it was very tactile, it was very yep. emotional, very experiential, they're going to remember that. So experiential marketing also helps you stand out from your competitors. A hundred percent. Right. And this generation, millennials and Gen Z, they all want to be wowed by everything, anything, right? They want to be wowed by anything and everything that they experience. Yeah, I mean, I think they're looking for more than ever, you know, people in the history of weddings, and I've been in almost 20 years, have always said, like, I don't want it to be like the carbon copy of my friend's wedding. But then for 10 years, everything they did was a carbon copy of their friend's wedding. And now that's like non-negotiable. Like, there has to be that wow factor, that something unique and different that really you know, people leave like the llamas, the fireworks, the whatever, and they're going to spend the money. And so I think it was really interesting. We were at um, TSC Cater Source and Ian and I were sitting there and we were listening to Marcy Bloom, who's a very famous wedding and event planner. And she was speaking and she was talking about the luxury market. And one of the things that was interesting was she said, I know there's a lot of caterers in this room and I know a lot of you now don't want to do tastings till after the client is, has booked. You're missing a humongous opportunity to wow them into, rather than you just being a proposal on a sheet of paper, you feed them and give them that like, and it's the same thing. Florists will say the same thing. Well, we don't just keep flowers sitting around. And you guys all have local wholesalers where you could go get flowers. So if you know you're doing your appointments on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there can be fresh flowers in the room. If they want some, if they want pink for their wedding colors, you can get something. It doesn't have to be the exact flower and whatever, but like you were saying, Ian, having that, you know, fresh bouquet of any color, any whatever, at least just the size or the shape gives them that opportunity to not only touch it, but they're smelling it and, you know, they can see the quality of the work you're putting in. Well, and I think a lot of vendors see what we're talking about, experiential marketing, is that it's not achievable, right? Well, it's like, well, I can't get fresh flowers for every appointment. Well, yes, yes, you can. There's a way to figure it out, right? If you your appointments to where it's like, okay, we only do appointments, you know, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, that's three days, right? Those flowers can live for three days, right? You can touch it up every day. It's not like you're doing appointments on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, right? And so you just have to make a plan. And I think a lot of people struggle, Vanessa, to your point, is that they, they just, they see all the, the roadblocks in place and they think it's not achievable. But if you put a spiritual marketing plan in place, it a hundred percent is achievable. Florist, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those are the only days you take appointments. They're in person. The yeah. person has the opportunity to see those flowers. You make it a part of your operating costs. It's going to make mm-hmm. a difference. 
Yeah. Limit your time of appointments. I have preached this. I don't know how many times. Yeah. I mean, Shannon knows. So I have set days for appointments. They We call it tasting Tuesdays and then some Saturday mornings, but I do all of them all in one day, back to back to back. As a florist, I would do the same thing. I would I would set one full day aside or two days and these are the days we offer it so that when you do go to the wholesalers, like Shannon said, and you grab a bundle of flowers, you can at least use them for multiple uses and not have to do that every single day for different clients. You can just do it all in one shot. Yeah, and you might want to have, you know, as you're sitting here listening to this and you're thinking, all right, I need an experiential marketing plan. You might want to have like a good, better, best plan, right? So um, when I worked at the venue, yeah, I loved having champagne on tours, but there were days that wasn't freaking possible like it just I didn't have any place to put the I had to keep a cooler it was a hotel they checked into the front it was a little bit of a shit show and I'm like that wasn't that was like my best my best was the champagne the good was mini bottles of water (laughs) like at least and then the better was full bottles of water with you know custom koozies on it when I had them so I think that there's this thing in terms of you figuring out you know, the answer can't just be like, that's too too hard and it's too much work. You have to come up with something that is manageable for you to be consistent because whatever you're going to do, they're going to tell the next person and the next person, or they'll post it on their social and start tagging you and other people see it. So whatever you're going to do for this, you got to be like semi-consistent. But saying it's too much work is, is an excuse. Yeah. It has to be realistic and it has to be repeatable. Um, I would say those are the two main things when you're talking about experiential marketing. And then at the end of the day, and this is one of my favorite books that I'll plug is Jay Bear's Talk Triggers. That's what he talks about creates word of mouth. People are going to start talking about it. Oh my God, you know, I went to, you know, Vanessa's tasting and it was incredible. Like you have to go have this tasting, right? And what is maybe seemingly small to us or even to the florist example, right? With the bouquets. I mean, that's nothing groundbreaking, y'all, right? I mean, they make the bouquets for wedding every weekend. Yeah. But it's actually putting that strategy into place. And that's something that is repeatable and that is realistic. You don't want the consumer to be like, oh, this is just something that you're doing to wow me. No, okay. It, it makes sense to my business because it's relevant because I'm a, flo- a wedding florist. Right. Same thing with the tours, whether it's champagne here at Madeira, we serve sangria. We have sangria Saturdays. It's very much the essence of our venue. Um, so it definitely has to be relevant, has to be realistic, and it has to be repeatable. But just going back to the beginning of this conversation, when you do things like that, they're probably more than likely going to take photos while they're there of them doing these experiences and share them. And guess what? All of their other little friends that are engaged or thinking about getting engaged and and planning process will see that experience. And then boom, you have another person that you have another lead. I remember once I went to visit one of these DJs in their office and I walked in and they had like fireworks going on the wall and it had my name in the middle of it and I'm like that was amazing like okay so I've seen my like name on the sign you know that it's like for block a parking spot which I think is freaking genius again so small to say you know prime parking reserved for so and so with their name on a parking spot but it was it was cool to see it in a different way where it had my name on the wall and lights right it's a dj so it applies to their world and it was like fireworks going off behind it and of course i took a video of it like i already told you i probably didn't post it it's probably still on my phone but (laughs) if i was a millennial or gen z i would have posted it and tagged them (laughs) but that's what they expect and then when they go to when they go to the next appointment after that and it's just like a random meeting where they sit down at a table. They're like, but, but the last guy literally just had fireworks. Like, yeah. 
So that means that guy's going to make my wedding badass. And you're just going to be like regular Joe Schmo. And what did I say before we started our call today? Same as lame. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is such a, it's such a differentiator. I think that as, as basic as it is, you know, even, I don't know about in your world, Ian, but when I worked at the venue, we would sometimes have tours that like had booked three tours in the day. They took the day off work. They went back to back to back to back and they like, haven't had anything to eat. They haven't had anything to drink or they're like shoveling fast food. And as they're driving from place to place. So we made like a snack basket and it was just like all little like nuts and fruit and kind bars and like healthy you know, grab and go type stuff. And you, I was like, oh, take whatever you want. And they'd be like, oh my God, seriously? And they'd ravage it. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, okay. It wasn't realistic for me to be able to do like fresh baked cookies. That would have been ideal. But again, that's that like concept of good, better, best. So I couldn't do like crazy home-baked desserts every time like I would have wanted to, but it was easy for me to have that. So yeah, don't let the like, no, be the big deal. So, but I do want to get some tips for the venues. So we, we went down the vendor path. We've got some good tips. And if you're a different category and you didn't share the tips, hopefully you got some good ideas from it, but okay. So you're a venue, you come from the world of venue, like tours are a necessity when it comes to booking. So we're a little spoiled. So what's like a simple way the venue can make the tour feel like more of an experience. I, you know, I love that you, you know, you break it down for our listeners, Shannon, in terms of good, better, best. I think good, like entry level, something that everybody can do is set the mood with music. That's super simple. I mean, as little as that is playing some sort of music to get people in the ambiance of your venue, have a good smelling candle when they come in, right? Smells are very important. Um, And then I would say if you have the ability to do so, if you're a venue that has your own linens, you have the ability to dress the venue. Yeah, uh, I think that's really important. Showing an empty ballroom or showing a ballroom with bare tables, whether it's a plastic or a wooden table is like, Um, so like I would say good level, if you are just now getting into experiential marketing and you're wanting to set the scene, set the ambiance for your wedding, uh, guests is have music, good smelling candles, and then having the venue dressed as it would be for a wedding. And it doesn't mean you have to have flowers, you know, just have linens on the table base, yeah, white poly, whatever linens you got. Um, for, for us, one of the things that we do, Shannon, you mentioned the, the champagne, we host something called Sangria Saturdays. And Vanessa, I was happy to hear that you, you know, you limit your appointments to a certain time frame so you can make things achievable and repeatable. So we host venue tours on Saturdays, which a lot of listeners may be like, oh my God, that's your wedding day. How do you, you know, how do you have, you know, the ability to host tours on wedding day? Actually, we have the opposite mindset that that is our best selling day because we have the energy of the venue. We know it's being set up for a venue, uh, a wedding that day already. We play the music. We have our fresh batch of homemade sangria. That's what our venue is known for, for a signature drink. Everybody raves about it. They want multiple glasses. Um, And so I would say even offering the ability to have a glass of champagne, to have maybe one beverage of choice if you have access to it, um, and I know not everybody has the ability to do so. They may not have a TABC license. They may not have the ability to have a cooler next to them. Yeah. Things cool. But if you have the ability to do so, you know, serving a cocktail doesn't hurt. Um, 
one thing that we have started doing uh, that we rely on one of our vendor partners for, and this would be a best category, is that we have our in-house cake baker. We have an outside uh, cake baker that we partner with. They drop off cake samples every weekend for our tours. And so we actually give those out to our tours as well, which they are able to eat on site if they are ravenous, Shannon, in the example yeah. that you shared. Uh, or they have the ability to take that home too. So that incorporates another sensory element where they're getting to taste something on wedding day too, in addition to the to the sangria. Um, so those would be some of the small tips that we have in terms of batching the tour experience, doing it on a day where you know the venue is going to look great. Um, serving sangria, we make a big batch uh, for every tour. We also have something called Margarita Mingle. It's just a different name for the Sangria Saturday. And I think people love and get into a good theme. We'll yeah. have people that message us and they'll say, oh my gosh, like, can I still get a ticket to Sangria Saturday? I'm just like, oh yeah, like, come on down. I have one tour appointment left. We'll have a fresh glass of Sangria waiting for you when you, when you get here. And I yeah. think well, again, they identify with these unique experiences. Do I want to enjoy uh, a Saturday venue tour that the venue set up for a real wedding? The music's playing. I'm going to have Sangria. It's going to be Sangria Saturday. Or do I want to go have a venue tour where it's just kind of meh, right? Barrier to entry is low. They sit down, yeah. they talk about logistics. I don't get to try anything. And I walk away kind of feeling um, my new favorite word is whelmed. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not underwhelmed. I'm just whelmed. whelmed. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's true, right? Because there's so many, especially, you know, we just did our recent um, survey that we do of our local couples here in Central Florida. And the majority are touring four to eight venues. When they're going to see spaces, that's kind of like our, I think it was like 70% are under seven. They're seeing less than seven. Yeah. And that's such an important knowledge to know because you can really set yourself apart. When I talk to venue owners and say, how long are your tours? And they're like 20 minutes. And I'm like, if it's under 60, I mean, unless your venue is tiny, I'll give you 45. But if it's under 60, like you are not doing anything to make them feel special or building rapport or any of that. Like it's literally not, you are just running them through a tour and dropping them in the parking lot. So there's so much opportunity. When I worked at the venue, I used to take a picture of them at the, uh, we had a few different ceremony spots and I would take their photo at each one of them. And at the end be like, which one's your favorite? And I would send it to them. I would mail it to them in a card. Like we use like um, postable and I would put that picture on and the card would say, can you picture your wedding here? Oh, so cute. When people would say, I don't understand. I was like, guys, I never got ghosted. Like I know because we did things like that. Yeah, they didn't choose my venue. I wasn't saying I had 100% booking, but they didn't disappear on me because we build rapport. We made it feel like an experience. So, you know, they kind of felt obligated. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, and at the end of the day, really, most people get ghosted for two reasons. Number one, you just mentioned they don't build a rapport with you. And number two, they're not qualified. Right. And so that they're, they're either embarrassed to say that they can't afford your services or they just don't want to even have that friction. So they just ignore it altogether. And that's a whole other conversation that we could have a glass mm -hmm. of wine, right? with Gen Z and millennials, right? Avoiding friction, avoiding difficult conversations, um, which drives me insane. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you hit on something, Shannon, that we do too, that is a, a, a great tool for venues if they're not using it already. And I mentioned this earlier, moving the, the prospect from observer to active participant. So when you show the ceremony site, 
don't just let them see it. Have them stand up there, walk with them up to the altar space, have them turn around, see what they would see on wedding day. Even something as simple as that can help kickstart their co-creative process. And they're envisioning themselves getting married at your venue. Same thing. If I know I have a couple from A&M, we're in Texas. Aggies are a thing. They are die hard. It's like a cult. If I know I get Aggies coming in, I'm always making sure I head out right into the middle of the dance floor and say, this is where you're going to do your Aggie war hymn, which is a tradition for all Aggies in Texas. They have this thing that happens at weddings. And I'm just like, okay, I don't get it, but I'm going to milk it. And I'm going to take advantage of it. Put them out on the dance floor. And then lastly, when I show the bridal suite, I always show where the bride is actually getting into her dress. And then if the mother is with them on the tour, which chances are there's a a good uh, chance that they're going to be with them, is that I'll pose them there too and say, you know, Mrs. Jones, this is where you're going to help your daughter into her dress on her wedding day. And then they're always like, my baby's getting married. Um, And so it's these little things that you can do to actually stage them at the venue. Along the way, um, not not just having them see the venue, but actually putting them in different places at the venue. I would say that's another great, you know, good, better, best scenario to where you can easily incorporate them. And that that's just a small change. That's not even, you know, you don't have to spend any money on that. That is just changing your marketing tactic, changing your sales tactic, right? Just a little bit. It's also hitting that emotion part of the three E's. Yes. Oh, Bam. God. She took notes. She did. I I have a whole page of notes, actually. Well, we have one really good question. Vanessa, do you want to ask Ian our last question? Because I think this is very important. I do think it's important. And I want to remind people that we still encourage you to do in-person meetings. But so we've been talking a lot about this on a, a past couple of episodes that there are still vendors that are only doing phone calls and Zoom call appointments. They're not doing any in person. So how can you add that experiential element to those types of appointments? I don't agree with those types of appointments, but how can we add to those types of appointments? Yeah. So I would first start with, if you're not doing in-person appointments, I would encourage you to do in-person appointments. That is my personal and professional opinion. While Zoom and phone calls and texting are fast and convenient, and great. They are definitely tools that we can incorporate into our business. But in terms of building that personal rapport with somebody or capturing the essence and the feeling and the emotion of a wedding day, I think it's really hard to do that. And I feel like you're limiting yourself. Now, it's it's definitely doable. Um, we have a lot of couples, a lot, I would say we have 10% of our couples that get married here at Madeira Estates that book from out of state. So we have couples that come from New York, we have couples, maybe their parents live here in Texas, and they live, uh, I have one couple right now, they live in Oregon, and they have never set foot into the venue. So I would say the most important thing for me when you're having a phone call, and you're having a zoom meeting, kind of like we're chatting on zoom right now, is you really have to rely on those personal connection elements, asking a lot of open-ended questions, because the more time you spend getting to know somebody, you're going to understand their why and really what makes them tick. Incorporating experiential marketing, I believe, is not 100% possible to the fullest extent of the definition of experiential marketing on a Zoom call or a phone call. By definition, experiences, for the most part, experiential marketing is about bringing the consumer to you 
And it's something that the consumer experiences in person. Now we can play videos, right, of previous weddings at our venue on a Zoom call. Great. That's going to at least peak their emotions, right, a little bit. It's maybe going to, you know, engage them more than it would be if we were just having a conversation on a Zoom call. Um, but it really doesn't capture an experience. On a Zoom call, I am, Ian, not experiencing anything. We're having a conversation. We're exchanging information, right? Um, and so maybe that's not the answer you're looking for, Vanessa. Um, but that's I know what, it is. I know it that's, is. But that's what I believe to be true. Um, now, somebody may have another opinion. They may come on here and say, Ian, this is how you capture somebody's uh, attention with experiences. You know, you can do the the virtual tour. I know people that have taken like clients' faces and like edited photos to like show them at the venue. Like, oh, look, you can put yourself at our venue and put it up here in front of our altar. That's creepy. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is a little creepy. Um, you know, what Shannon mentioned about like sending things to people, the the postcard, that is still doable, right? But mm-hmm. in the setting, that is still not really experiential marketing. And Shannon wants to say something, so I'm going to let her say something. Listen, I think that like, I agree with what you're saying that in the moment. I mean, we when we did our, now this is Central Florida stats, but I feel like 200 couples isn't a huge data set, but it's enough. And when we asked them, how um, would you like, how, when, where do you want to do your meeting with vendors? 70 vendors, not venues, venues obviously are in person, but 70% of them said in person is what they were looking for from vendors. So, um, but I, I think there's an element of on the front side or the back side of like what you can do. It's not the same. I mean, I know like a lot of the cake bakers during COVID had to shift to like pick up a tasting box and then we can do it on Zoom where you're eating and we're talking, but it's a little bit harder because you can't like, you know, are they actually liking it? Are they faking it? It's a little harder to tell on things like that. So I do think you have to work harder on the front side and like you said, during the appointment to really build rapport and then maybe follow through on the backside of it. So if you know they're coffee obsessed, you know, whatever, maybe like you have to like almost gift more, like you right. have to do more depending upon price and how much they're spending and things like that. But yeah, it's almost impossible when you're in, unless like you're having coffee delivered to my house right now, Vanessa, you should do that on our next record day, unless Starbucks is getting delivered to my door, right? Like there's no way for this experience to become experiential when it's you know it's not 3d right we're 2d we're flat screens and you can't immerse them in the experience if they're not with you right and i do know you know i know during covid there were some things that happened we had caterers in our market that did you know the tastings to go and they would get put little cards together that said this is the instruction to enjoy your tasting right like have a bottle of wine with you set music light a candle yep but then you're putting it into the hands of the consumer and the chances mm-hmm. of them actually doing it are not going to be as high as if they just showed up and everything was already done for them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I do think that all of those things are great. But at the end of the day, in my mind, it's not experiential marketing. I agree. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think that's where we actually got a big... Like that's where the business really grew was during that time because I was one of the very few people in our area that can continued having in-person meetings. I just bought a bigger table. 
So instead of having a small dining table for their tastings, I bought an eight foot table, put them on one side and me on the other and let them know that it was that big and that if they weren't comfortable, we can make them a box. But if they were comfortable being in the room and eight feet away, then they were welcome to it. And nine times out of 10, they were like, perfect. We'll be there. I'm like, cool. Awesome. I just adjusted it a little bit. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, people crave connections. And I think especially this young generation, I was watching the news the other day, talking about what a lot of uh, Gen Z, especially college age Gen Z is craving right now, and they're struggling with were two things that we've already mentioned on this uh, podcast today. Number one, connections, not only with their peers, but other people around them. And number two, dealing with difficult conversations and friction. And so I do think that is a part of why we deal with a lot of ghosting. That's a whole other side side note. But I think experiential marketing can really give you traction with that younger demographic because they are craving connections. So give them more reason to make it a wow experience that they won't forget. Well, that was the perfect place to wrap it up. So before we end our episode with the swag, Ian, where can people learn more about you, your venue and how you can help them? Yes. So you can learn more about Madeira Estates by following us on Instagram at Madeira Estates. And it'll be, we'll link it in the bio. I mean, down in the show notes. In the show notes. Yay. So feel free to check us out on our thread there. You can also visit our website at www.madeiraestates.com. And then you can find me at Ian Jose Ramirez on the Instagrams. And then my uh, professional website is ianjoseramirez.com. I love it. And I'm very excited because one of the things Ian and I are working on together. So those of you who have heard Vanessa and I both talk about Wedding MBA and we love the conference and going and getting educated. And if you use the code SAS. S-A-S-S, you get $10 off, um, whatever the current rate is. So go in and put that code in. But Ian and I are doing something fun and different this year. And we are bringing a new concept to Wedding MBA called the Venue Help Desk. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So listen, you know, there's so many good groups of vendors of every type there at Wedding MBA, but um, as two people who have a lot of knowledge in the world of venues, but also know that venues sometimes have different struggles. The overhead is different. The marketing is different. It's top of funnel marketing in a different way. It is more important to be experiential because you are in person every time. It, um, you know, we just wanted to be able to bring some resources and some kick-ass people to help our venue partners. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Anybody that's listening, if you're coming to the Wedding MBA or considering coming to the Wedding MBA, please check out our booth. The Venue Help Desk is going to be so much fun. And And we're we're both speaking. So, you know, besides that fact. Come see us speak too, but just have fun in Vegas. Come hang out with us. That too. I have a a feeling I'm going to get stuck working this booth at some point. I don't know what you're talking about. She'll be in the booth. If you want to come find me. You're going to be enjoying working in the booth. I know. If you want to come hang with the sassholes, we'll be in the booth. They're going to be speaking while I run the booth. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we're going to wrap it up with our swag. Time for that swag. Shit that we all get. Three action items to put on your to-do list. Do you want me to kick off or do you want to kick off? I only have one, so you go first. All right. So the first one is going to be to remember your three E's, emotions, engagement, and experience. You need to take the client and move them from an observer into being a participant. 
she's way overexcited guys she's a really good student my my tip is actually going to be to if you do not currently follow biz bash which is not in the wedding side of the industry but it is a online publication and a print magazine their email blasts are exceptional because they do way bigger events like that they're talking about and one of my favorite sections is they'll send out like you know the big events of the week that are like you know massive like hbo series and the activations and the experiences that they're creating around these event launches it just kind of inspires ideas way above and beyond i mean obviously it's hbo so they have a little bit different of a budget but if you go to bizbash and b-i-z-b-a-s-h and get on their email list it's like once a week but there are blog articles with like really unique cool outside this the box things that they're doing in the event side of the world more or less are cool ideas for you to take into weddings i love it i love it what my do you have Vanessa? One, number three my last one is my new favorite phrase of same is lame same mm-hmm. is lame same is lame yeah you don't want to be same, same. Is lame. no don't be like everybody else fuck that set yourself apart from your competitors and go above and beyond you know it it up with a nice bow. <laughs> little bow, little, a little f bomb bow on there. Uh, damn. If you feel like this podcast helped your business, got you thinking, or we made you giggle and laugh, follow, subscribe, and share it with a friend who doesn't mind when we wrap it up with an f bomb bow. <laughs> Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Next month, we're talking about fighting a slump, including including tracing the problem generating new sale leads and booking more appointments. Now go make epic shit happen.